Welcome to the Diverse Perspectives Podcast. I'm Angela Wong, Group President of Pfizer's Biopharmaceuticals Group. Today's episode is a special one, featuring an interview I recorded for the One Young World 2021 Summit earlier this year. I had the opportunity to sit down with their co-founder and CEO, Kate Robertson, to share the story of how Pfizer brought our Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine to the world in record time. I also talked about key lessons from the pandemic and why I remain hopeful about the road ahead. I hope you'll listen to this special episode and that it inspires you and empowers you to make your own breakthroughs. Hello, delegates to One Young World 2021 Munich. You know me as Kate Robertson, one of the two co-founders of One Young World. Every year at the summits, we gather the leaders of the world to talk to you young leaders. So right now, it's a huge, huge honor to introduce to you literally one of the most important business people in the world. She's a member of Pfizer's executive team, and she's the group president of the Pfizer Biopharmaceuticals Group. So join me in welcoming the amazing Angela Huang. Angela, hello, and thank you for joining us. It is so exciting to be with you today, Kate, and to be able to have this opportunity to converse with you and to uh, share my experiences from the last year is, is really a thrill. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Okay, let's get into it. I am, as I said, so proud and delighted to be talking to you. So COVID-19 pandemic is going to be remembered as one of the most dramatic and historic events of the 21st century. And Bison will also be remembered for stepping up in an unprecedented way to respond to the crisis and deliver a vaccine to the world in record time. And I'm so grateful to have had my two Pfizer jabs. Could you, Angela, take us back and share some of your defining moments from this journey? I sure can, Kate. Um, it's very vivid for me still. Uh, but actually, my journey began uh, before the vaccine. So as the group president of Biopharma, we make a lot of different medicines. And so around January and February, I started to see a lot of changes in our hospital business unit, which supplies the sterile injectables of the world. These are the medicines that we would use in emergency rooms, in ICUs, and the demand started to increase tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold, three hundredfold, a thousandfold. And we started to realize that something around the world was going desperately wrong and going in a very, very different direction. So that was probably around February. By March, uh, Pfizer had um, then decided to step into this big responsibility of making a vaccine. And at that point in time, we were fortunately already in a collaboration with a biotech company in Germany called BioNTech. And uh, we had begun our partnership with them actually in 2018 to develop a flu vaccine. And uh, little did we know that several years later, we would be switching our focus from developing a vaccine 
vaccine for flu to having to develop a vaccine for COVID. And that honestly, in many ways, is what gave us the speed to begin the programs. So it was a big scientific journey that we embarked on. And uh, what this looked like was assembling four teams here at Pfizer. So we had our research team that were busy designing the vaccine. We had our uh, what we call our development team, and these are the teams that would put the vaccine once it was ready into clinical trial. We had our manufacturing team who would make and produce the vaccine. And then we had our commercial team, which is the team that I lead, that really worked with each of the countries around the world, within governments around the world, to ensure that we had the right agreements in place so that the minute we had a vaccine, we could supply it. But Kate, I would say that there were a few, you know, really important principles in the way that we work that I think helped us to get this over the finishing line in uh, in record time. And the first was our ability and the need for us to parallel path everything. So as just this example of four teams working all yeah. at once, another example of that would be the fact that we had put four candidates, four vaccine candidates into clinical trials. We didn't know which one would work. And so it was important that we had multiple shots on goal. We also invested at risk and we invested at scale. So what that means is typically when we make big scientific decisions, we would do them in smaller scale and we would go through the various stage gates that we call them stage gates of the scientific process as we ramp up. But we didn't have time for that. We invested at risk and on our own because we felt that that would allow us to make our decisions as quickly as possible. And we invested at scale, meaning it was as if we had a vaccine, even though we didn't. So just an example of that would be we bought all the glass vials for making hundreds of millions, billions of doses of vaccines without knowing that we even had a vaccine. We um, created and started designing our manufacturing sites to be at the scale that could make billions of doses, even though we didn't know that we would even make not even one. And that, in fact, has been a critical success factor in Pfizer's ability to supply at the rate that we've been able to. The third thing we did was really re-examine how we work. And we really interrogated all of our processes to say, why does something take six months? Why can't it take six hours? And so the ability for us to do that, just as another example, is what enabled us to really have our first patient in our phase three clinical trial vaccinated just a mere two hours after the FDA had approved our phase three protocol. Typically something like this would take months, but we knew we didn't have months. And then importantly, we partnered. We partnered with every government and every regulatory agency around the world so that they could be as informed as we were. Uh, we were able to share within literally short hours the data that we had with the agency so that they could make the decisions. So all of this is what enabled us to develop this vaccine in exactly 248 days. It was an incredible journey, one that I think stunned all of us, even those of us who have worked on this for years. But I think it just goes to prove that when you set a bold goal and when you have no option but to succeed, you find a way to do it. It's just it's just the most incredible story. I've got 600 questions to ask you. I could just listen to you for hours. It's like listening to Star Wars. It's just absolutely incredible. What a story. Okay, so pandemic has highlighted and widened 
the existing inequalities around the world, as you and I well know, and has brought you renewed focus to the topic of access to health. How do you think we best collectively address this particular problem? And particularly now, when it comes to containing the impact of the pandemic. No, absolutely, Kate. This is an important conversation because actually by definition, a pandemic is global in nature, which means that none of us are safe anywhere until everyone is safe. I think, first of all, just just talk about sort of our goals here at Pfizer and how we thought about it. From the beginning, it was our North Star that we would have the ability to vaccinate everybody. Well, that means that we have to have enough vaccine. And therein lie the incredible objective and goal that we had set for ourselves. And in fact, the first goal that we had set for the number of doses that we would make was in the hundreds of millions because we were so early on in the process. But as we learned and we learned fast and we retooled and we learned to improve our own processes. And actually, since I want to say December of 2020 till now, we have changed our production capacity four times. So that's really important because you need to first and foremost have enough in order that you can vaccinate. Secondly, even though if you have enough, you've got to make sure that you're allocating it to all of the countries in the world. I know that there's been a lot in the news recently of how maybe the high income countries have gotten a disproportionate share. But actually, if you look at the total number of doses that Pfizer will be making, one third of our doses in 2021 are going to low income countries and middle income countries. So of the 3 billion that we're making this year, a billion has been allocated to these low and middle income countries. Equally in 2022, we also pledged another billion. So 2 billion doses in the next 18 months are going to low and middle income countries. And it was important that we thought about that from the outset. We also have a number of multilateral agreements with uh, supranational organizations. So take the COVAX facility is another example of an organization that has the interests of multiple countries. And then even more recently, the support of Pfizer to the U.S. government's donation program to a number of low-income countries as well. So it's really working um, through these various mechanisms that we are finding a way to be able to supply our doses to the various countries around the world. But finally, none of this would be of any use unless the countries had the right infrastructure to receive them. Pfizer has, from the outset, had an extensive training and education program that went along with the delivery of our vaccines. So just as an example, I think in the month of December 2020, in the first month of delivery of our vaccines, I think we had trained up to 40,000 healthcare professionals in a number of countries. Uh, you've got to learn how to store the vaccine, vaccinate your patients, and be aware of what the signs and symptoms of side effects and be able to um, give confidence to your patients. So that's really important. So I think for all of us, when we step back and we say, what other responsibilities can we all have, pandemic or not? I think it's really a focus on the infrastructure at the country level. All of you have seen how Having vaccines is one thing, but you've seen the different uptake and the different vaccination rates that have gone on in countries around the world. And I think that is a big lesson to all of us, that having the right infrastructure, having the right capabilities to be able to vaccinate 
or to get your medicines out if it's not a vaccination or outside of COVID. To be able to supply and ensure that your medicines are getting to the right places is a critical element of access. So those really are key lessons, you would say, that you've taken from this experience that have broader implications for the future of global health. May I ask you about that, just following on from that, the lessons that you would take from this experience regarding the intersection between yourselves and governments around the world? What would be the lessons you would take there? Well, Kate, you know, partnership was at the core of everything that we did. We all know that there are multiple companies that have vaccines, multiple companies that are working on different treatments, but none of this would have been possible if we didn't partner with governments and we didn't have the the support and the collaboration with the various government agencies, like a regulatory agency, which is pivotal to the approval of these vaccines. And then even if you take our own example, our partnership with BioNTech, if we didn't have that partnership, where would we be now? So I think that there is a key lesson learned here about important collaborations and constructive collaborations in this pursuit of innovations of the future. But I think, Kate, stepping back, I think your question is really an important one because it also talks about what are the important lessons learned for global health and how do we ensure that we have thriving, healthy communities forever. And whether it's in a pandemic situation or in an endemic situation, you know, back to normal life. And I think the important thing is you have to believe that nothing is impossible. And I think we've shown that. It is not impossible if you have the collaborations, the support, the mindset, the capabilities, and the resources. And that is critical. The private-to-private partnerships, private-to-public partnerships, whichever way it goes, no one is doing this by themselves. No one is a hero, an individual hero. This is about all of us being together and putting the best of the world together to be able to pull something like this off. Um, But I have to say that what really is important and an important theme here as well is the importance of science and innovation. And the science and innovation didn't happen overnight. When you have a thriving environment that fosters innovation, great science and creativity. This is when miracles can be born. And that's why for all of us, and an important topic, I really focus on, well, what drives innovation? What fosters innovation? What are the capabilities that we need? Because you don't know what the next world disaster or whatever it is, is going to be. And that's why it's important that all of us pay attention to ensuring that we foster the right environment so that great science can be created, the right work can be done, and that we can rise to the occasion. And takes great leaders, that's for sure. And And tough decisions. Exactly that. And these, these are amazing things. Great leaders and vision, none of it's a given. None of it's a given. But I do like what you said about belief. That's a great thing. And leads on to the next question that I wanted to put to you is looking ahead, what gives you hope for the future? Why do you think it's important, building on what you've just said, to engage in these issues now as we try to build the road to recovery? Well, I think, first of all, we've shown that nothing is impossible if you bring the right resources, the right people to the table with the right mindset. 
And so that gives me hope. And I think it's really important for all of us in this world to not waste this moment either, because this is a lesson to be learned, not just for me and Pfizer. This is a lesson to be learned for all of us, that when you focus on the right problem at hand with the right motivation, the right speed, I think you can create great things. So I am very hopeful. But I think it's important to remember that the pandemic is not over. We have the vaccine, but you've also seen how there are variants emerging around the world. And so sort of this next wave of issues that we have to deal with are very serious. So that is something that all of us need to pay attention to, which is to continue to ensure that we keep vaccination rates high and that we keep the durability of the antibody levels high through boosting. It's also important that we continue our work to expand this vaccine to more people. As you know, today in most countries now, not all, you can go down to as low as 12, ages of 12, but we know that that's not everyone. So we continue our work here at Pfizer to looking at the younger age groups. We also are continuing our work to develop new formulations of this vaccine to ensure that we can come up with new generations of vaccines that are easier to store so that it can get to more places more easily. And then finally, it doesn't end there. We know that not everyone's going to get vaccinated. We know that there's going to be breakthrough disease around the world. So we are also in parallel working on an antiviral. This is if you develop COVID or you have symptoms of COVID, you can then quickly take a pill uh, to resolve those symptoms. So I think we'll be able to have an entire armamentarium of solutions to deal with COVID. Getting outside of COVID and maybe now stepping back and just talking about what's important for our future. I want to reiterate, I think probably the most important lesson of all, which is around having great science and fostering innovation. So I think on that front, we need more scientists. We need young people to want to be in STEM, to want to be in science and to really help all of us. And it's not just in pharmaceuticals. It's in so many dimensions of what makes the society important and the foundation of great societies is great innovation and great science. And um, the policy part is really important because of what I was saying about the importance of creating the right science environment. You've got to do that with positive and constructive policies as well, because you have to create the right incentives, the right motivations, the right alignment of people to be able to partner and to be able to do great work together. We've talked a lot today about great collaborations. So I would encourage everyone to continue to believe in that, find and to really understand what your own strengths are, but what are the strengths of others and to be able to bring groups and stakeholders and people together. Because when you're able to create the right combinations, that's when two plus two becomes 10, right? And that sort of mindset of the multiplier is an important one. So all of this is what gives me hope because I think everything that I've talked about today can be done, can be done again and again and again. And it's not just about the vaccine. I mean, you can really apply this to any facet of your life and any industry, really. Angela, you give us all hope. That has to be one of the most informative, interesting, important discussions we've ever had at One Young World over the past 11 or 12 years. It's just, it's just brilliant. For us, as I said at the start, an honor to have you here and just such a lesson listening to you. It's huge. So from the whole One Young World community, Thank you, thank you, thank you from all of us. 
Thank you, Kate, and thank you for having me here today. And I wish everyone just a fantastic time at the summit.